Hello, everyone, and welcome again to the Digital Killed the Radio Star podcast. This is David. I'm here with my buddy Chris. This is our, uh, I get Chris, I guess you would say this is our first ever remote uh, <laughs> recording. Yeah, it is. Together again, different city this time, though. Different city. We're actually in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, tonight, we will be attending the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo tomorrow. Uh, I know some of you that listen to this podcast are going to be there as well, so we look forward to uh, hopefully uh, meeting you. But uh, So anyway, we're doing this from our hotel room uh, here in Nashville, and so we'll see how it goes. Uh, before we get started this week, I do want to tell everybody to please, again, follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed and subscribe to us via Apple Podcast or iTunes uh, to our podcast and rating review us. And uh, we will be releasing another uh, Spotify playlist this week to cover uh, songs that we think represent the bands we're going to talk about uh, in this episode. And so you can follow that and listen to some of some of those. We had a good response from um, the uh, New Music Recommendations pot, uh, playlist as well as the 80s Albums playlist. So, uh, Chris, without further uh, ado, uh, do you have any new music you want to talk about this week? Yeah, I do. I wanted to talk about the uh, the new Body Count record. You know, I, I think most everybody's familiar with Body Count from, what is it, Cop Killer. That's what we all know it for. We know it as the album that got banned because of having the track Cop Killer on it, or where they had to get, had to get, um, yeah, they had to re-release it, with, you know, minus the track Cop Killer. So, this is a band that, you know, I've, I've been aware of them for a while. I knew they were still making music, but they recently put out a new record. It's called Bloodlust. And I, uh, it was getting a lot of a lot of praise, and um, I decided I'd check it out. It's been a while since I'd heard the boys from Body Count, and this record is awesome. I mean, it is. I think that I think the Body Count unfairly gets thrown into the rap rock or rap metal category, and I think a lot of that is because Ice T is known as a rapper. The band is black. I think there's I think there's a Hispanic in the band, but largely it's a black band. So I think I think they get unfairly thrown into the rap metal category. Folks, this isn't a to me, this isn't a rap metal record. This is a hardcore record. Hardcore metal. And it is it is um I mean it's much heavier than Cop Killer. And I love this record. He's got a few. He's got a few guest appearances. First track, "Civil War," has Dave Mustaine of Megadeth playing solos on it. "All Love Is Lost," which is probably my favorite track on it, has Max from Sepultura on it. And then you've also got a uh, "Walk with Me," which is uh, got Randy Blythe from um, Lamb of God. But again, this is not. Don't think this is a rap metal record. It's a hardcore record, and this is to me some of the best hardcore metal I've heard this year I mean it and I'm actually kind of surprising myself by saying that but it thing just rocks yeah Chris sent me a couple of tracks and it's it's very heavy it, it truly is a heavy metal album it's not uh, it's not rap metal or new metal or whatever you want to call it, it it's straight up uh, it's straight up heavy metal and it's pretty intense so uh, if it you, is if you do decide to listen to it uh, be uh, be fair warned I only have one thing this week I was going to add. It's a band called The War on Drugs, and they have a new album out, and this song is called Pain. Uh, it's a really good tune. Um, I have a I have their last two albums, and um, th- they're very solid albums, but uh, the new album actually came out today. I haven't gotten the album yet, but I will. But uh, the song is Pain by The War on Drugs, and uh, if you listen to it, I think you're going to enjoy it. It's pretty laid back, pretty mellow. So this week, our podcast is going to be uh, based on um, rock trios that, uh, that we like. And uh, the rock trio was really something born out of the late 60s, early 70s. It was a really big thing back then. A lot of big name acts were trios. And excuse me, you don't see it nearly as much anymore, but there still are a few. So we're going to talk about, um, excuse me. We're going to talk about ones that we like, and I'm going to tell you right now, I've seen most of Chris's list, and I know the list that I have. We're going to leave off some of the big ones, and uh, 
that's not necessarily us saying that those bands aren't good. It's just uh, ones that we prefer. So I know there's a couple of bands we're going to get some hate mail about because we didn't uh, list them. But hey, this is what uh, this is what we like and what we enjoy. So uh, Chris, I th- this was actually your idea, wasn't it? The, yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, we'll get right to it. Um, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? I'll go first. Why not okay. just go with um, a band we've talked about a lot at this point on this show? I think we've brought them up two, three times, maybe more. But a band I'd put easily in my top three of all time, and that's Uncle Tupelo. We've talked about these guys a lot as being, in my opinion, and I think David, you'd agree with me, they're, uh, they're the godfathers of alt-country. They are... I've said it before, I'll say it again, because it's true. These guys are what Nirvana is to grunge. That's what they are to alt country. And, yeah, it was a trio. You know, the first couple of records, plain and simple trio. You know, I know when Anodyne came out, which was their um, yeah, their final studio record, it was... Technically not a trio. Yeah, I mean, they started bringing in a lot of different guys. You know, most notably John Sturrott, who is the only original member with Wilco outside of Jeff Tweedy. He's the only one that could point. put up with Tweedy that long. I guess so, you know. I, it is kind of weird, isn't it? They've managed to stay together this long when everybody else bails. But um, but anyway, I love this band, and I just think they are a, uh, a great, great, great trio. And, you know, it, it, when I listen, when I think about them and I think about their influences being the Minutemen... Um, Husker Du, you know, maybe that was intentional. They kind of wanted to go follow the path of their heroes. But love these guys. And for me, because they're, I've just said they're in my top three bands of all time, they're my favorite trio. So start yeah. with the big one. Yeah, I, I have them um, on, a, on my list as well. And I echo everything you say. They're kind of the gift that keeps on giving in that uh, they keep inspiring uh, young bands and you're right um, they started off as a, as a trio there at the end um, they had they may have had five people uh, well they may have had five people that toured with them I think four people for sure on the album but really one of the most unique bands in American history because they is, could as easily play um, you know just really obscure country slash folk songs as as well as really aggressive um, punk music. And they were a fan of both, and they kind of married both of those styles together uh, probably better than anybody else has. Yeah, and, you know, this is just one of those bands. If if there's any, and and I know people listen to this, you know, if, if we mention, whenever we mention these obvious bands, of course they know who they are. This is one of those bands that, you know, I would I would I would assume the listeners have never really given this band a chance. Maybe never even heard of them. It's a band I'd encourage you to listen to. You know, you may broaden your horizon with them. And and David said it perfect. I mean, these these guys touch on a lot of genres. They were they were punk. They were folk. They were Americana. They were they were country. They they were just a great band. Yeah, I think if if you're listening to this and you've never heard them, if I had to recommend something to ease you in, it would be their second album, Still Feel Gone. Couldn't agree more. I think it's the most accessible. And if you like that, then dig into the uh, the rest of the catalog. You won't be um, you won't be upset about it. It's really really good music. Well, the first band that I'm going to talk about, I think if you probably. Um, based strictly on talent, is probably the most talented band we will talk about. And they're also the newest band we're going to talk about, the Winery Dogs. If you're not familiar with them, they are a true super group. They are uh, Mike Portnoy, most famous from um, Dream Theater, but it seems like he's in 97 bands at one time yeah. now. Uh, he's drummed for Avenged, Avenged Sevenfold, Adrenaline Mob, um, the Winery Dogs. I think he's doing something kind of uh, like a little solo act right now. Well, he's got something coming out now with uh, Just Got Soto. The Sons of Apollo. And, and, uh, yeah, and uh, Bumblefoot. Yeah, Sons of Apollo. Bumblefoot is a guitarist that replaced, bass, well, I say replaced Slash. He replaced the guy that replaced that replaced that replaced his, what's Slash. His, what's his real name for $5? Man, I have no clue. Ron Bumblefoot Thal. 
Um, and so the other members of the Wannery Dogs are on bass. Billy Sheehan, who's most famous for playing in the David Lee Roth Band, and then Mr. Big, probably has one of the more unique bass playing styles of anybody that you're going to listen to. And then on, excuse me, on uh, lead vocals and guitar is Richie Kotzen. Uh, if you're a fan of hair metal, he had a cup of coffee with Poison, put out one album, okay. Native Tongue, and then things went south between him and the band. But if you're not a fan of hair metal, don't let the fact that he was in Poison scare you off because, uh, in my opinion, one of the most talented musicians that we have right now. And anyway, so they put out their debut album, The Winery Dogs, which was just awesome. And it was a real breath of fresh air, if you ask me, to um, rock music because Mike Portnoy, if you listen to Dream Theater, the stuff he plays in Dream, Dream Theater is so far above everyone else's head and it's so technical and it's so precise. And on the Winery Dogs, he just gets to be the, a drummer in a rock band. And I believe I read the other day that he's the youngest person ever inducted into the Drummer Hall of Fame. So um, that says a lot. He's still not, uh, he's not very old. Went to the Berkeley College of Music. That's where Dream Theater um, started. But they do have two albums out. The first album, I think, is really good. The second album is hit or miss. But uh, if you're looking for um, songs to listen to, um, Elevate, I'm No Angel, We Are One, uh, Time Machine are the ones I would go up um, off the first album. But all three of those guys are considered virtuosos in their field. And um, there, there's nobody that's going to get up there and blow any of those guys off stage when it comes to talent. And they are doing a third album, which hopefully will be out uh, soon. I know, Chris, you had them in your list as well. Yeah, I, I, really, I really didn't know they were doing a third album. And the only reason, I'm glad to hear that. The only reason I, I did not know that is because, like we just talked about, the fact that... Uh, that the Mike is working on a new project with with Bumblefoot and Jeff Scott Soto and his original keyboardist from uh, Dream Theater. I was I didn't know that was going to happen, so I'm glad to hear that. But but yes, I, I'm like you. I love the first record. Love 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 that album. It's so good. Second album is definitely it, it, it's it's a drop down, but. Overall, I mean, the play-in on the on this, it's it's um, it's amazing. I mean, it is. These are skilled, skilled, skilled musicians. And Richie Codson does not use a pick. Yeah, and and Codson too. You know, we we talk about the musicianship, and uh, that deserves the attention. But Codson, and we've talked about this on prior podcasts. But Codson's a great vocalist in his own right, and we've talked about this before. I mean. He, uh, I mean, everybody just talks about what an incredible vocalist that Chris Cornell was, and he was. Richie Cutson sounds a lot like him. So imagine Cornell's vocals with just a three-piece slamming rock band filled with virtuosos, and you got you got Wandering Dogs. And and both Sheen and Portnoy, Portnoy are very good backup singers. So yeah. they have a they have a, a really really cool sound. So yeah, I would I would go with the first album um, by them if you have never heard of them, but you, you won't be disappointed. Okay, I'm gonna go with a, a next one for me. I'm gonna go with one of the obvious ones, but let's let's just go ahead and get the obvious out of the way, and that's gonna be Nirvana. Um, it's is there a more important trio? I don't know who it would be. You're nodding. You're not. David's sitting here nodding. Yes. And I'm just. I'm. I'm. I mean. I'm not a huge Nirvana fan. I. I completely understand why people think they're so important, and why they're so revered. But outside of a few songs, they just never did anything. But I would like to know what you who you think is more important as a trio. And I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just curious. Um, Cream. See, you know. And I can appreciate the uh, now here here this is podcast is turning into a debate, um, not what we really intended. But hey, that's that's kind of fun. I don't think we've done this really so much before. But Cream was great as in the way that 
God, you're gonna hate me when I say this. The Ramones are more important than Led Zeppelin as far as influence. I, I, I think they probably are. You know, because they completely changed the game. I'll pull a Donald Trump here. Wrong. They completely changed the game. I mean... It no, bit- no, I completely agree with you on that. I completely agree with you on that. I just don't think they're... I, I mean, I, I think Dave Grohl's very talented. I just don't think Kurt Cobain was very talented. Yeah, see, and I think his, his sound... I think that... Now, I will tell you, I hate it when people put him in like the top echelon of guitar players. I do hate that. But he was good at what he did. His, his songwriting was good. His lyrics were good. You know, I thought that Kurt Cobain was great. And yes, Dave Grohl was a fantastic drummer. And I just, in my opinion, I just think they're the most important trio ever. Because I've always looked at it this way. You have Elvis. You have the Beatles and the Stones. And then if you want to start getting into some sub-genres, you have bands like Sabbath and all that. But when it came to just changing music and, excuse my language, knocking music on its ass, it was Nirvana. They came in and just changed what was becoming so repetitive. I think one of the reasons I don't like them, not that I don't like them. I mean, I have several of their albums. Like I said, there's some songs I really like. I think I hold it against them. That they killed what you loved. For what they did. Yes. Because... Because I I remember where I was when I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I don't hold it against Alice in Chains. I don't hold it against Soundgarden. I don't hold it against Pearl Jam. And eventually I grew to love all those bands. And like I said, we've talked about before, you and I were both brought into the grunge movement kind of kicking and screaming. And, you know, I would listen to their music and be like, what are these, I mean... What do these guys have to be so depressed about? You know, hey, I'm here. I'm here. Fourteen or fifteen. Life is great. I'm sure you and I kind of pretty much raised in the same the same fashion. And I'm like, man, shouldn't you be talking, uh, singing about women and drinking like everybody else? And and I think in my head, I think I have a mental block when it comes to them. And I think they kind of. I, th- I think I can't forgive them for that. I understand that, but let me just tell you, there's a. Um there's a book that I recommended to you, David, and I'm and I haven't said this before, so to anybody listening, it's a book called The Big Book of Hair Metal. The author is Martin. I hope I'm getting his last name right. Popoff, Martin Popoff. It's a Martin. Last name is P O P O F F. Anyway, it's called The Big Book of Hair Metal. In this book, there are. I want to say it's a. A couple of people kind of kind of allude to this fact, but there was one in particular, I believe he was a producer, and he said that grunge, Nirvana, all these guys did not kill hair metal. No, the writing was already on the wall. He said that the labels, they are the ones that killed it. And I was listening to a podcast just the other day with Dean Del Rey and Eric Turner of Warrant. They brought up the same thing. It wasn't the bands it was the labels so I think that Nirvana gets unfairly they get they're beloved by many for killing the genre and they're attacked by some for killing the genre and I think that they're not necessarily deserving the credit on either well and it's very interesting because the labels did the same thing to grunge a few years later after that they talk about that on the podcast with with uh, Dean Del Rey. They talk about that. Bands like it's, 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 it's the same. It's the same like exact thing. You know, it's it's cyclical. And you know, I know pretty much right now it seems like rock is dead because to rock radio, there's one rock band that exists, and that's the Foo Fighters. Um, which, sorry if I'm going to offend anybody, they're not even that good. But there's one rock band. But if we get into a new wave of rock music, it will eventually be replaced by something else. It always happens. Plain and simple. I think that's the first time I've ever told anybody what I thought about uh, Nirvana like that. It's kind of cathartic. But I like this. I like this. And like I said, I don't think you and I have ever necessarily debated. Not that it was necessarily 
wasn't quite a debate, but that's the first time we've ever kind of gone on like this. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest and say I understand why people think that, but I just, for, for some reason, you know, perception is reality, and in, in my head, they're the ones that slammed the door on, you know, what we grew up listening to, which I'm glad they did, because, I mean, I went on, I'm a huge Alice in Chains fan, and Pearl Jam, and, you know, Soundgarden, but, uh, and obviously my musical tastes have changed a lot since then, but... You know, you like you and I said that was our gateway drug. And you, they, you'll even read in this book when you read this book that a lot of these guys and Eric Turner talks about it again in this podcast. They loved the new grunge music that was coming out. They were fans too, right? And they it, just didn't. They hated that it. You know, made them irrelevant. And I was listening to a podcast the other day with um, Steve Gorman of the Black Crows, and he was saying, "What was the first album? Was it Bleach?" Yes. And he said that he and Chris Robinson were huge fans of Bleach. And he said they were on tour somewhere and, uh, you know, they were just starting to get big. And I don't know if it's their manager or what, said, y'all got to hear this. And they played Smells Like Teen Spirit. And he was like, oh, boy. And he was like, you know, we were excited because it was another Nirvana album because we both really like Bleach. But we were like, they're about to undo everything. And, and they did. And... Um, I don't know. I just, you know, I think Dave Grohl's a great musician. I just, I don't think Kurt Cobain is, he's definitely not the player a lot of these other people we're going to talk about. No, he's not. But, you know, but hey, I've got some, some bands that are going to be even less as far as musicianship. So, now what it's about tonight. I just won't, I just may not uh, be as angry about them. So, my next band is a band that uh, Chris was just tooling on on the way over here. We were went to a... Uh, we went to a bar a little a little while ago to hear a band called Denman, who's actually very very good. If you like old school heavy metal, tooling on Government Mule. Oh, I thought you were just tooling on Denman. No, I was uh, like, no, they were good. No, Denman, uh, it, throw this in. It, um, I don't know if they're if they are on iTunes yet, but we actually bought their CD. If you like old school um, metal, like Saxon and. Uh, Judas Priest and stuff like that. You'll really like them. But anyway, so my next uh, group that I'm going to pick is Government Mule. And if you're not familiar with them, it's Warren Haynes, Matt Outs, and it was originally Alan Woody. And Warren Haynes and Alan Woody um, were in the Almond Brothers and decided to form a power trio. And they're a little more jam bandish than um, anybody else we're going to talk about, but... I will tell you, Warren Haynes, if you're not familiar with him, at one point in his life was a member of the Dead, the Almond Brothers, and then obviously Government Mule. And he's one of the great guitar players of our time. And th their first three albums, they were a trio. And so uh, I'm going to talk, I recommended a song called No Need to Suffer. It's going to be on the Spotify playlist. But one of the great things about seeing them. Um, live is obviously they they're more of a jam band they change their set list up constantly and they're known for their their new year's eve shows and their um uh, halloween shows and i have a bootleg from new year's eve a couple of years ago they played nothing but grunge music for an entire set and um warren haynes added his touch to uh uh, songs by nirvana and pearl jam and uh alice in chains and uh Soundgarden. But anyway, if, if you're into blues-based uh, jam band music, you really like them. Their first couple albums, they, they I think that if you're familiar with the band Humble Pie, you would probably say it was a lot like Humble Pie. But anyway, Alan Woody did die um, after their third album, and when they replaced him, they also added a keyboard player. So now they're a quartet, but one of the best live bands I've ever seen, and uh, if you get a chance to go see them, uh, go see them. Uh, their version of uh, a Beatles song, She Said, She Said, came on the uh, radio when we were driving back. And uh, Chris is not a big fan of jam bands, which is fine. But uh, I was like, hey, I'm going to be mentioning them tonight on the podcast. <coughs> but anyway, go pick up, um, go listen to our playlist and listen to No Need to Suffer and listen to the guitar solo on that. You will really, really enjoy it. So, Chris, we'll move on from the mule to. Uh, your next choice. Okay, I'm going to go with one that, oddly enough, I mean, we've been doing this now, David, for what, since... Six think, months or so. I think so, yeah. I was, I was thinking about this. I think maybe February. 
And this is a band that has not come up yet for me. I don't think it has anyway. And they're one of my favorite bands. It's a band called the Alkaline Trio. Pretty good name for a trio. But um, these guys, you've got... You've got kind of like Uncle Tupelo where there's two different vocalists. Same thing with this. I mean, they're they're not that kind of all-country sound. These guys are more punk, pop-punk. But it's um, both Matt Skiba and Dan Adriano that are on vocals. And these guys are... Man, I just... There's something about them I've just adored since the first time I heard them. They're... Uh, this, the music a lot of times is very, very dark. The lyrics, especially the songs that Skiba sings on, he is, um, put it this way, I think, the, I know the guy is obsessed with The Cure and probably very much, and he, he loves punk music. I'm sure he's very much obsessed with The Misfits as well. And you hear it in the lyrics because The Cure, The Misfits, it's not happy music, folks. It's um it's dark, and that's where Skiba goes on this. Um, Andriano is not as dark, but uh, these guys are just, man, I love them. I love them so much. They're just, you know, it's, it's hard to describe exactly how they, they are. I think a lot of people, which this irritates me to no end, but any time anybody hears anything that's, a, that's punk, that has a little bit of a pop element, they immediately say Green Day. And that really does just drive me insane. So, that being said, I guess if the casual listener <laughs> heard, they'd probably say Green Day. But there, uh, there's so much more complex to that. There's so much influences from Joy Division to The Cure to you know The Clash to to The Misfits. It's just uh, it's goth and punk, and I think this is the way they are. And um, Matt Skiba is a very, very diverse artist, too. I mean, I know we're talking about just the band, the Alkaline Trio, and you know, just trios itself, but he is just a diverse guy. I mean, he's he's done a project called Heavens, which is very much kind of in the vein of Joy Division. He's done a solo record called Cuts, which is kind of like more The Cure, just a little bit darker and all. He's just a really, really talented guy that is churning out hit just just amazing song after amazing song. He's now playing with Blink-182, which I think a lot of his, his fan base is probably not really happy with that he went and joined Blink-182. I get it. It's a paycheck. And, you know, what I'll tell anybody is music is a business to people. And so people that want to judge him for going and jumping on the Blink-182 ship, I would. this is what I would say, so would you. Exactly. If you had the opportunity. Exactly. So I don't blame him for that one. Um, Are they from Philadelphia? They're from Chicago. They're from Chicago. They, But this is a band, you know, I would say my, my favorite album by them is probably the second one they had called Maybe I'll Catch Fire. I think that's, that's a good introduction. Probably more of a balanced record. You know, I, I would say maybe Good Morning, and it's uh, which this will again kind of show you the way that he he writes as a lyricist. It when I say Good Morning, it's good, and Morning is M O U R N I N G. So uh, yeah, not the most happy title, but um, great, great, great band. I mean, there's I'm not going to sit here and list all the songs because there's so many. Uh, I know we're going to throw one up on the playlist. I think we're, I think I told David to put on radio, but uh, these these guys are great. If you like kind of the, if you're rooted in punk goth type music, give these guys a shot. All right, so our next band, hopefully, there's not going to be any um, disagreement on, and you can't talk about trios without talking about that little old band from Texas, ZZ Top. Agreed. Um, kind of a band that's had two careers. Um, the more roots-oriented, blues-based uh, albums they put out in the 70s, and then in the 80s, they uh, they embraced the synthesizer and the keyboard to a great degree, and then went on to put out some good albums in the 90s, and, and, and still recently. But one of the more influential uh, bands, and Billy Gibbons, uh, Dusty Hill, and Frank Beard are the members, 
And I always thought this was funny because Dusty Hill and Billy Gibbons are known for their beards. The drummer's name is Frank Beard, and he's clean-shaven. Yeah. Like, you can't make that up. But one one of the more iconic bands to come out of that time and just a powerhouse. And Billy Gibbons has played with everybody. I mean, from, you know, Kid Rock to... Um, I think he's played with Alice Cooper recently. I mean, he, he's he's very held in very high regard and has a very unique uh, playing style. And in the 80s, of course, they just went to megastardom when the Eliminator album came out. But one of the more uh, one of the more influential uh, trios, Chris, I, I I believe you had them on your list as well. I did, and and you know they're not they're not one of the bands that I'm going to listen to a lot, you know. Alkaline Trio, Uncle Tupelo, Nirvana. I listen to them, especially, especially Tupelo and Trio. I listen to them constantly. It's not the case with ZZ Top, but it's kind of like you said. Your list is um, flawed if they're not on there. And so they had to go on. And look, I'm like anybody else. I love rock and I, I love if it's rock and roll. You know, if I'm, if you're into rock and roll, you got to love ZZ Top. And I think they just made a lot of great, great music. Billy Gibbons, I mean, stories out there. He was uh, Jimi Hendrix's favorite guitarist. Dude can play. And you have to give them props. They stayed together. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, never never changing the lineup. Never, not once. Not one guy get, eventually gets bitter and goes off and does something and comes back. No, it's the same three the whole time. Yeah, um, very commendable because um, and they, they're a constant touring force. They're constantly on tour. I've seen them live twice, and uh, it's a good show, always a lot of fun. Billy Gibbons always has some really funny uh, banner with the crowd uh, at the shows. But I, what song did you pick? Um, I did Tush. You did Tush? I picked uh, My Head's in Mississippi. Being from Mississippi, I've always... Uh, like that song, one of their later. Songs. Yeah, that was. I remember. I was like, I think I was like in junior high when that yeah, came out. Yeah, one of the one of the later one of their later albums, but nonetheless, a uh, a good song. So if you listen to this and you haven't heard of Z, I can't imagine somebody that could listen to this and not have heard of ZZ Chop. But uh, go pick up some of their albums from the uh, mid to late seventies. They're just really, really good rock and roll. All right. Well, next I'm going to go with because I brought up Alkaline Trio. And I was defending Matt Skiba for joining Blink-182. This is going to sound a little weird since I'm defending him for joining them. I'm going to unpick Blink-182. And I know that's one that especially people that know me and know me well, like David, uh, people that have listened to this, they know that I'm, I'm the guy that's always picking the bands like Television and Pixies and all of that. They probably wouldn't expect me to ever include a band like Blink-182. But these guys, I just think, were, again, they're another one of those bands that I think were highly influential on a certain certain style of music. You know, it may not be for you, but I think they were hugely influential, and I think they were really, really talented songwriters. And I keep saying we. I mean, I know I get it. It's, they still do exist, but to me, Blink-182 died years ago. Um I was really into the first two records, and even the third one, which is the one that broke them in a mother state, I liked. But the first two records, it was, um, I just really, really loved those albums. You know, Cheshire Cat was an independent release, or at least a uh, kind of a small label. And that one just blew me away. And then Dude Ranch was a follow up, which had the, the hit song Damn It on it. And after that, they came out with Enemas, the state, and that's when they kind of blew up. And from there, it was downhill. But those first three records, I thought, were just so good. I, again, kind of with with uh, Alkaline Trio, with Uncle Tupelo. This is another band where, well, well, ZZ Top, same thing. You've got two guys that sang lead vocals. And I guess we're kind of catching on to a pattern that we didn't really realize we were going to. A lot of these trios had, you know, dual vocals and I've got now I think about it I've got at least one more on my list that well, does that when you're a trio you have to be able to multitask good point but these guys I, I think that um, I think that they had they're, they're underappreciated I think they just kind of fall into that MTV that MTV generation 
but you know that early works especially if, if you've never heard it if you just think of them as just the songs you know like all the small things whatever no that, and that's not what you need to listen to listen to the first two records listen to Cheshire Cat you know um, it's just again I think they're underappreciated I think um, Travis Barker is probably one of the better drummers out there plays a you know looks like a five year old's drum kit but um and you don't need more than that in punk rock. Kind of like a guitar, you don't need more than three it's, chords. It's seriously like a four-piece drum kit. Yeah, well, well, it's like what was um, what was the quote by Lou Reed? I think he said, I'm trying to think of the quote by Lou Reed. I think he said, uh, "You only need." God, I wish I could think of this. It's like two. Like you only need three. Somehow you only need three chords. Anything more than that is is classical, or something to that effect. And that's kind of where they fit in. I mean, they're they're not they're not going to be the 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 masterpiece, the, you know, the, just the maestros on their instruments of some of these other guys we've named. But I like this band, and I know a lot of people probably wouldn't agree with me on it. But it's but, a good thing our podcast is a safe space. Yeah, absolutely. You, you feel free to think and think what you want and say what you want. I'm not even going to give you a hard time over it, like like you've done me in the past on the slaughter episode on the damn metal episode about slaughter even my wife picked up on that she's like she's like they were totally making fun of you on uh one of those picks uh by the way we'll be seeing mark slaughter tomorrow so uh at the podcast expo yeah we'll keep that a secret though we'll our, keep... our, our, our conversation about yeah. it yeah but seriously though blink what do i just think i think they're they're underappreciated those first two records and and i know they put out a lot more if you're kind of let's say well Two records out of all these, that's not that good of a track record. But they had what happened to them happened has happened to a lot of bands. Success. And success changes people. And they start writing for radio. I've never heard the first two, so I, I can't judge. I can't judge. So I'm just going to be honest with you. I've, I've never heard them. Um, but now I am interested. And I'll prob- I've got a six-hour drive home Sunday. I'll probably listen to the first two and uh, and see what I think. But you did a you did a good job explaining your way out of it. I, give I you did that. the best I could. I give you that. Whether it was good or not, it was the best I could do. So we go from Blink One Eighty Two to maybe the granddaddy of them all, the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Um, only together for three albums. Um, the band consisted of Jimi Hendrix, uh, obviously on guitar and vocals, and then uh, is it Mitch Mitchell? Yeah, I'm pulling yes. it up. Mitch Mitchell and uh, Noel Redding. And you think about the influence of um, Jimi Hendrix. If you're thinking about influential guitar players, one through three are kind of muddled. Most people are going to say Hendrix, Clapton, and Eddie Van Halen. Um, Maybe Jimmy Page or Jeff Beck. Um, But I heard, actually I heard, I was listening to um, Mark Maron's podcast that he had Alice Cooper on it. And he said, nobody can figure Jeff Beck out. He said, I think he said one time, Jimmy Page told him there's Jeff Beck and then there's all the rest of us. But Jimi Hendrix uh, changed the game with distortion, reverb, uh, really played in a way that that nobody else did. Even when he interpreted other songs, All on the Watchtower, Wild Thing, just a, uh, a complete game changer. It left us way, way too soon. And you think about how influential he was. He put out three albums with the experience. Um, I think from, gosh, 67 to 69. And, of course, you know, he did this Electric Ladyland, Are You Experience, and Axis Bold is Love. All of those albums are classics, especially uh, Are You Experience, the first album. But he's one of the more famous members of the 27 Club, uh, along with Jim Morrison and... um, Janis Joplin and now Amy Winehouse and Kurt Cobain but um, I, I put as my um, selection on the Spotify playlist Voodoo Child Slight Return one That's of the good one. one of the one of the great guitar songs um, of all time but I couldn't I couldn't do a list of power trios and not not mention the Jimi Hendrix experience will not argue that pick it's a great one you know I, I think that a lot of times why people would, and I would probably throw it myself into this, why people wouldn't include that one is because we think of Jimi Hendrix as Jimi Hendrix, not Jimi Hendrix experience. 
you know, we think of him as an artist. Like you, you mentioned, you know, Eric Clapton or Jeff Beck. Nobody would ever think about the band surrounding them. And I think that's the way Jimi Hendrix is viewed upon. But but you're right. Yeah, but the uh, Mitchell and Redding, they weren't slouches at all. Well, Mitch Mitchell is known as one of the greatest rock drummers ever. I mean, he's probably right up there in... Yeah, people probably hold him in as, as high regard as Keith Moon and, you know, John Bonham, all these guys. So, yeah. No, I mean, good pick. Um, <clears throat> next pick for me is going to be band out of uh, St. Paul, Minnesota, Husker Du. Another one that I put, said was kind of a big influence for Uncle Tupelo. This is a band that, um, again, two singers. You had Bob Mould, is, um, you know, he's the main guy. He's the one that everybody kind of worships. But you also had the drummer, who was uh, Grant Hart. He did uh, drums and vocals. Not as many vocals as, um, he didn't do as many lead vocals as as, uh, as Bob Mould. But these guys were, uh, man, I, th- I think of these guys as kind of like, just like the replacements. And replacements also being from you know, the St. Paul, Minneapolis area. They they were just, they were different. They came out in that kind of post-punk era. Uh, I would say that, that Husker Du was a little bit, even though they were kind of the post-punk, they were definitely their first couple of records were much more punk. But um, these guys were just, uh, it's diff- I think it's different. I hear so many different elements in them. And I, hear, I hear the punk that they carried over from probably their heroes. I hear the noise element that probably influenced bands, you know, anywhere from the Jesus of Mary chain to, you know, my bloody Valentine. They, uh, they influenced bands, you know, like Nirvana. They were just a hugely influential band. And if for no other reason, they deserve to be on this list just because of all the guys that you know as much as I do, all these guys that continuously bring up Husker Du. And... You know, their first couple of records, I'll tell you, very, very noisy, aggressive, kind of punk records. You know, they get a little bit more accessible to the general public in their in their later in their later days. But yeah, you listen to the albums, which of course a lot of people consider one of their great one of the great albums of the eighties, Zen Arcade, New Day Rising, which is another just fantastic album. But if you know the if the punk is going to kind of shy you away, I would say try out Candy Apple Gray. That one came out in '86. That was um, I think that may have been the first one with a major label, but they got a little bit more, a little bit more mainstream in that one. Um, great, great band. If you're listening to this this and you've never heard them, chances are you have heard of them. Now might be a time to just go check them out again. Another band will put up. We're going to have a playlist. We'll put a song by Husker Du on there. See what you think. Highly, highly influential band that unfortunately had very little commercial success. Um, Bob Mould went on to have a, a good uh, a good career. Yeah, and he also he had Sugar. You know, Sugar had um, a couple of hits on, um, you know, when alternative radio was becoming so big in the mid-90s. He had... He had a couple of hits off of that that first Sugar record, which again another trio. But that was a, I mean they could have even been on this list. He's had success solo as Bob Mole, but, and and I think that they're one of those bands that they just kind of hate each other, and so you unfortunately you may not get another you may not get a reunion out of them. Well, my next pick they don't hate each other because they're brothers, uh, and that is well the, does that do anything? I mean, well, Oasis, Black Crowes, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, that's not them. I'm going to go with the North Mississippi All-Stars. And uh, if you're not familiar with them, they uh, consist of Luther and Cody Dickinson, who are obviously brothers. And for the most part, Chris Chu. And uh, he's kind of in and out of the band. I think he has some health problems. So they usually have uh, somebody substitute for him on bass when they go on tour. But they came to prominence with uh, an album called Shake Hands with Shorty. And if you're familiar with... um, the, the Hill Country Blues, which is different than the Delta Blues in that it's more rhythmic and repetitive, um, has more of a groove to it, I guess you could say, than, than some of the Delta Blues. But 
their father was James Dickinson, and he's a very famous record producer and piano player. He played the piano on Wild, uh, Rolling Stone's Wild Horses. And if you're a fan of The Replacements, uh, what was the album that he rec- uh, produced for them, Chris? I'm not sure, I'm not sure which it's one It's the one that had Skyway on it. Man, I'm drawing a blank on this well, one. Well, the, the reason The Replacements wanted to record with him was he recorded some of the Big Star albums. And they were huge fans of the Memphis band Big Star. And so, anyway, he was a very well-respected record producer. And Luther and Cody, they grew up uh, outside of uh, Holly Springs, Mississippi. And really, they gravitated toward the Hill Country Blues of like R.L. Burnside and Otha Turner. And they really picked that up. And their first album, Shake Hands with Shorty, was very, very well-received. And if you go see them, it's a great live show. They're very good. Um, they tour extensively, but they're kind of the last the last people I think that you're going to see uh, carry the Hill Country Blues. And some of their latest albums have uh, incorporated some psychedelia into it. But a really really good band, Luther Dickinson. I think he was named in one a Rolling Stone article a couple of years ago as one of the 25 best uh, guitarists of his generation. If you watch him play, he doesn't use a pick. Uh, he can play a cigar box guitar. Uh, really good. He was actually in the Black Crows for about six or seven years, recorded two albums with them. But he's very highly respected amongst his peers. That they've uh, This will tell you how, how respected they are. They opened up for Robert Plant uh, on some of his dates in America and some in Europe. And when they got ready to record their album, I think it was called World Boogie is Coming, um, Robert Plant came and performed the harmonica on two songs for him. And uh, he really had a fondness for him because he was very fond of their father. And uh, you know, their father unfortunately died a couple of years ago and there was just a real big outpouring of support from the music community for him. But uh, World Boogie is Coming is a great album. I would listen to that and shake hands with Shorty. But Robert Plant playing harmonica on two songs on uh, World Boogie is Coming. And so, uh, Chris, you're not you're not obvi- you're not really big into that that style of music, but obviously they play in Memphis a ton. Yeah, and I've seen them several times. I mean, they're good. They're good at what they do for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, we we've made it pretty clear. I'm I'm um, I mean, there there's certain things that we always we you and I always have this bond over the harder rock stuff, but. We've talked about this many times on this podcast. You steer a little bit more. You'll go more towards jam, where I don't. And I'm a punk guy, and that's not necessarily your genre. We we don't talk a lot about punk on here, because, you know, you don't have that same love. We don't talk a lot about jam bands, right? Because I don't have that same right. love. You know, so that that's kind of where we fall in line. But but yeah, I mean, they're they're a good band, and you know, I can respect them, and I, and I. Being a local band, I'm I'm all for them. So, you know, my uh, my next pick that I decided to talk about was, uh, you know, one that I'm I'm, you know, I'm not a historian on the band. I just I think it's it'd be insane to not mention these guys, and that's the Police, and they're another one of those trios that was just the musicianship was out of this world. And, and talk about walking away while they were hot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Sting is just one of those guys that it, it worked for him. I mean, it, it, it totally worked out. It was a gamble. I mean, it was a gamble because you're right. They were on top of the world. And, I mean, these guys were just, you know, Sting is you know, not just be a you know, good vocalist, but good bassist, really good bassist. You know, um, Andy Summers is just an amazing guitarist. Stuart Copeland, I mean, everybody knows Stuart Copeland's one of the greatest drummers. Andy Summers probably doesn't get the recognition that he, you know, that he truly deserves as far as being a guitar player. But these guys were just, I mean, they were a great, great three-piece. I mean, they are, they're part of that MTV generation. I mean, they could do no wrong in the 80s. And you're right. Hit after hit after hit after hit, and Sting goes solo. It worked, but it but it didn't work for guys like me because I like I like the police's music. I don't like solo Sting. 
I, I'm not a big fan of Solo Sting either, but you, you can't argue with the success they had as a trio. And really kind of a a gumbo, if you will, of reggae, ska, punk, and classic rock. And they made it work. And like you said, all three all three guys can hand, can hold Virtuosos. their own. All, all three of them can hold completely hold their own. Stuart Copeland, have you heard the album he did with um, Les Claypool? He, I've heard some of the stuff off of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean he, he he's very adaptable. I mean he he kind of became a um, very prominent in the jam band community about ten or fifteen years ago. He started doing stuff with uh, uh, Les Claypool uh, of Primus, but. It, what strikes me about them is if you get like let's say that well they have numerous greatest hit CDs, but there's not a stinker on there. No, there's not. You, you are so right about that. I, I'm just telling. I'm just saying full disclosure. I'm not like the huge most the huge police fan, but you're right. I could put on a, a best of, and I'm gonna love every single song on them. And it was like we were discussing earlier about songs that you've heard so much on the radio that you don't want to hear anymore. They don't fall into that category. Favorite? No. What's your favorite police song? Oh, God, I don't know. Big fan of Invisible Sun. That's a great one. I like Walking on the Moon. Um, they're just they're a great band. I highly recommend going out and getting their um, their greatest hits CD. <laughs> like we said, there's no filler on it. There's no, there's nothing that's skippable. Yeah. At all. Well, my next band that I'm going to talk about, since you talked about The Police, actually the last band I have on my list, and you couldn't have a discussion about great trios without the great band from up north, from Canada, Rush. Uh, Neil Peart on, or Pert, depending on, I've heard it both ways. Yeah, exactly. It drives me crazy. Yeah, it's, it's a great... Somebody it's, just, some, I wish he'd just come out and tell everybody right. how to pronounce it. Neil, if you're listening, send us an email. <laughs> Digital Killed at... Uh, anyway, uh, Alex Lifeson on guitar and Getty Lee on bass. We talked about earlier the Winery Dogs being so talented. All three members of Rush are virtuosos, top top of their class. Neil Peart, people literally go see Rush to watch his drum solos. You cannot say that for anybody else. And if you've ever seen his drum kit, it's 360 degrees. And at some point or another, he uses all of them. But... One of the things that impresses me so much about this band is I cannot stand bands that that have backing vocals, have a have a track um, like Van Halen, the keyboards. There, there, there's nobody on stage playing the keyboards. If you watch them, even the like uh, the feels that are like uh, sound effects. They are, they are doing those tracks themselves. Getty Lee has a keyboard in front of him while he plays the bass. Uh, Peart has things that he triggers. Alex Lifeson triggers things. And if you hear it on their album, they play it live. One of the three of them are doing it. And they're just so talented. And they, I'm so glad that in the last four or five years, they've started getting like the kind of cultural acceptance. And they had a documentary come out several years ago. Great documentary. Uh, All the World's a Stage, wasn't it? Is that the name of it? Sounds familiar. Yeah. Top five rock documentary I've ever seen. And I'll be honest with you, before that documentary came out, I was just a fan of, let's say, the hits. Limelight, Spirit of Radio, you know, uh, Time Stand Still, things like that. And after watching that documentary over and over again, I've become a much bigger fan of the band and I said earlier we probably weren't going to find a trio that was more talented technically than the Winery Dogs I think Rush probably is they're, they're if not they're 1A and 1B um, all, th- all three members vocals and guitar I will go give to the Winery Dogs but <laughs> but um, the only drawback I just can't listen to them for more than 30 or 40 minutes because Getty Lee's voice. Just what I said, vocals and guitar go to winery dogs. <coughs> vocals, big one. Right, Getty Lee's vocals uh, get me uh, at some point. And some of their stuff, you know, to be honest, in the late 80s, early 90s was not, doesn't hold up well. But their last album, probably their final album that came out, Clockwork Angels, was really, really good. And they seem to have gotten 
once they got through um, the eighties and the, the late eighties and the nineties, they got a lot heavier with uh, vapor trails and snake and snakes and arrows. But uh, Chris, you had them on your list, obviously. I did. They're they they're one of those bands, just like I said. You cannot do a trio list and not include these guys. I mean, they are for most for most rock most of our rock heroes. They're probably, I mean, I would think for most of them, they're probably top three. Um, fantastic, fantastic musicianship. Uh, just a good band. So, yeah, they, they, they have to be on there. And so I think you said that was, is that is that it for yours? That's my, that's the end of then, my list. Then I'm not going to go on, and I'm just going to give a rapid fire on a few of mine. I don't want to just keep going and dragging and dragging on these. But... One of them, you know, because we mentioned earlier, we mentioned, um, you know, with Stuart Copeland playing with Les Claypool, Primus. I know they're a little bizarre, but again, another band, musicianship, top notch. Um, Les Claypool on the bass. You know, you got Brain on drums and Larry, I can't think of his last name right now, but the guitarist. Brain was in Guns N' Roses for a while. Yeah, they're... They're just incredible musicians, and it, it's, I mean, if you're listening to this, if you know music, you you know that Primus is, you're not going to put it on and hear a normally well, you know, normally structured song. It's just different, but they, they're just great at what they do. One of the legendary trios to me is Cream. You know, another one where you talk about musicianship, you know, dual singers, uh, everything about them was right, you know. With Clapton, yeah, just he's Clapton. What else you need to say? Ginger Baker is probably I mentioned Keith Moon and Bonham earlier as being two of the great drummers. And Ginger Baker, Ginger Baker might the, be better than any of and them. And Ginger Baker might be one of the most angry men I've ever. Man, if if you have not ever seen the Ginger Baker documentary, I don't remember what that's called. Do you remember what that's called? I don't remember David? what it's called, but man, he's angry. If, if you don't, if if you've never seen it, Google Ginger Baker documentary. This guy is a legit nutcase. Um, yes, he's one of the rock's greatest drummers, but this guy is flat out loony, and it is entertaining as hell watching this documentary. But anyway, Cream, another great one. Uh, I think another one that you got at least mention is going to be Motorhead. You know, they basically they basically created the double bass and metal so if you're into metal you gotta have Motorhead on this list and then just a few more I'm gonna have on here I, I included the Melvins we're gonna talk about them a little bit more we're gonna have a grunge episode coming up soon um, I love the Melvins um, Buzz Osborne is just I think he's just a genius at what he does um one of Kurt Cobain's absolute heroes. And then the last two I'll pick is I have um, Helmet. I think most people remember Helmet from, you know, they had the song Unsung, early 90s. Great band. That was on the off the album Meantime. Certainly wasn't the only good album they did. They put out a lot of, you know, a few really good, good, good records. They were kind of that borderline hardcore, a little bit more, a little hard kind of blend of hardcore and grunge. And then the final one I wanted to pick was a band that I don't feel it gets a whole lot of attention these days, but it's a band called MXPX. They are a uh, punk trio, and um, they're kind of a little bit more of the a little bit more of the poppy side, but um, great, great punk band. So if you um, you know if you're looking for something new with punk, check out their album Life in General. It's uh, it's great, and that's what I got, honey. Well, like I said, we're gonna put um, songs from every one of these bands uh, on our Spotify playlist, and I'll post that to the uh, Facebook and to the Twitter account after we get uh, the episode up. So uh, Chris and I are probably gonna turn in for the night, and uh, not together though, <laughs> not together, <laughs> and uh, get up in the morning and go to the uh, Nashville Rock and Pod. Uh, expo and so um, we hope to make some connections uh, tomorrow hopefully that may pay off with future uh, podcast guests 
but uh, Chris, this was a this was a fun one. This is one of those easy ones that oh, we yeah. don't have to do a lot of Very research easy. on. So please follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed and on Apple Podcast or iTunes at Digital Killed the Radio Star. And please leave us uh, leave us a uh, rating and review on iTunes. That would greatly help us. So uh, probably be another week or so, and you'll hear from us again. Hope everybody has a good week.